0: Hello everyone, welcome to Chan Podcast. Here is where you learn about meditation and Chan. So, what is Chan? Chan, spelled as C-H-A-N, is the Chinese good of Mahayana Buddhism and is the originating tradition of Japanese Zen. We encourage you to learn and practice meditation with a group. If you like to, feel free to visit our website LondonChanMeditation.org.
1: Here um, for the Vimalakirti Sutra book club talk. Use your hand. So all the book club members are here. Most. Who's missing? Okay. Let's see Kevin. Wrong wrong has been joining consistently yes. have. Have? okay how's it going by the way <laughs> <You good>? <laughs> okay <laughs> okay usually uh usually this Monday we have two sittings in q and a but because we have this book club, and people are sharing, discussing ideas, reading about this particular scripture, and uh this is an opportunity to kind of wrap up the discussions, and I have printed some questions that people raised. These questions were sent to me by one person, and I haven't taken a look at them yet. <laughs> very very busy this past weekend. Um, I was designing designing a funeral for someone, and uh, modifying it, tweaking it. Uh, performing it so I was quite busy plus doing work that I have so maybe we should start with um, maybe we should start with uh, people's experiences in this book club so far how many sessions are left? Two. two more Have you gotten to chapter eight n- yet? Nine, yeah. okay. Yeah. Nine All right. The back, the rest of the chapter, yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> <It> could <laughs> run through them <laughs> very quick. But there's certainly more to the, the discussion. There's a lot. You can go in depth if you finish early. You can kind of go back to some of the chapters and discuss more. But I'd like to hear some feedback. I've heard from one person. Um, if you have something to say, please say it. Um, so I like to keep this session unlike regular Dharma talks, which is just me talking. So if you want to share some ideas, here's the parameter. Some of the teachings in the Vimalakirti Sutra that really sh- struck you are very important, as very important. That helped you or giving you some insight on things that you have never thought of or you have thought of but made sense and uh, some of the points of confusion you're not aware of you have questions about and your personal experience with the format of this book club you can share on, on any of these, and if you want to share on something else pertaining to the book club, that's fine too.
2: So, real person.
1: What's that? It's
2: written about a real person.
1: Was it? Yeah. suppose it? Yeah. Who knows? Is real. Mahayana Sutra is uh, filled with literary tropes. In other words, there are conventions. Certain literary conventions that are part of a particular scripture. You know, that's for you know, all the Mahayana text. They are not the main points of the scripture. Uh, they are the kind of s- <coughs> sprinkles that make it that makes the text that text prominent, important, you know. If a teaching is given and there's a lot of people present, oh, it must be important. Right? Or you know, certain settings must be important. So you can consider them literary tropes. Right? Conventions. You know. Like Shakespeare. When he writes a play. There are certain things that are on the outskirts that sets up props for certain message to come across. They're props. Yeah. So don't get too caught up with, you know, are the gods real? Are these devas flying around in the sky? while the Buddha is giving teaching? That's like. There's a very funny story. <coughs> I'll, I'll share this with you. One time I was in San Francisco giving a teaching. And um, <laughs> she knows what's coming. So a person comes into the talk, sits down and starts to get it's very antsy, you know. It was a half half day retreat workshop type of talk. So it gets looking around, even though they're not supposed to look look around, so it's can of caught up even when I was giving a talk, was reading something while I was giving a talk. And you're not supposed to read. The noble silence is a part of a retreat. So this person is getting caught up with all the other things. Everything except the Dharma talk. <laughs> except the teachings. You know what I'm saying? So that, that would be like getting caught up with, with the trappings. The problems, is the Buddhist and when I asked for questions, do you have questions about the nature of the talk? I was asking about why is the Buddha statue? like all these other things, you know. And later on I came up to him and say, What were you reading? And he says, Oh, I was reading something written by you.
0: <laughs>
1: it's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. You don't you don't have to go to the text. You know, the text, the article, that's dead. Dead words. Like well, I was trying to understand you.
0: <laughs>
1: Just here, understand me talking as opposed to reading something about you to understand you while y- the guy is giving a talk. It's like going to going to an opera, right? And uh, the performers are performing, and you're reading about the nature of opera, about the story. Just perform. You watch the performance. You see. So when we read a scripture, the text. Don't get too caught up with the external trappings, tropes and conventions. get to the heart of the teaching you yeah.
2: yeah
1: yeah, that's fine, that's fine. We can get a general impression from the teachings, just the gist of it that would be a fine way to do it to get the, the, the to get the gist of it. Location, maybe uh, you know the uh, different kind of stuff. So let's get to what Vimalakirti is trying to say. Yeah. So that would be my response. But what about like others?
3: It, it's interesting to me how uh, in chapter eight, Vimalakirti talks about how the things that manifest him are all like his senses. His father is skillful means, and his mother is compassion and kindness. And so, so this whole entire setting comes together to. Manifest the bodhisattva the Kirti. and it was also interesting to me that he manifests things like anger and things that we traditionally think of as like not helpful, like stu- he manifests as stupidity. But of course, with all these things, he talks about manifesting with skillful means, and it's, it's somehow <coughs> different from maybe when I manifest anger or things like that. But 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 mm-hmm. it was hopeful to me to to see that even people of his caliber um, still manifest those things, but they're somehow different. And I'm not entirely sure I understand the difference, between Manifestation of stupidity versus my own.
1: <coughs> 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 what do you guys think? <coughs> Those of you who are, who are going to the book club. Jim, are you are you t- participating? No? Okay.
4: <coughs> well, there's manifestations of, of ignorance with wisdom, and then there's just manifestations of ignorance.
1: Okay, so you're saying that. Uh, the point of departure is the wisdom. <coughs> yeah. Okay, anyone else? Carl?
4: See things from a point of view that would inform as the conditions play out. Uh, And that that seemed to just be a very repetitive uh, focus. Uh, And then as we moved into it, there were, uh, again, the calling forth of the hundreds of thousands of this of time and the uncountable uh, uh, thrones. And we were aided in our discussion a lot by thinking of all of that multiplicity, incredible multiplicities, as being representative of the uh, incredible infinite number of vexations I'm capable of generating and experiencing they're just all different aspects that uh, can come up in in a person's life and then the later chapters that we looked at uh, and this co- talks directly here is that it seems uh, it was pointed out again and again that virtually every anything that I put a characteristic on I assign an attribute to is going to generate a duality, and that every darn one of them can be a path through the gateway, and uh, basically, to it, it's so reassuring, again, uh, the uh, point I took away from our previous book when we were looking at the uh, <coughs> those of Lotus Center, right, mm-hmm. was that uh, bit of awareness of this project this Buddhist project uh, awareness of Dharma uh, that, that seems to give me my inheritance my I forget the word they used everyone wanted to have their
1: inheritance
4: inher- yeah the prophecy prophecy yes yeah. it would it would unfold
1: mm-hmm. uh, all beings are destined to Buddhahood
4: right and so totally reassuring Just the slightest bit of contact with Dharma Mm -hmm. basically seals my fate and here the great reassurance is that everything that happens in my life is going to uh, cultivate that um, even if I'm not actively engaged in in in, in working with it or not it it still will push (laughs) me along through that gate Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I just came away with a great I've, I've been coming away with a great sense of reassurance and a, a, a further reminder that th- this is something that is within all of us and that it's just a matter of
1: time allowing it <laughs> time, time and, and effort ex-
4: effort <laughs> and experience <laughs> and just though an attitude of allowing it to flow and it will I find it very reassuring and uh, just uh, it's been a remarkable time to be able to discuss it with. uh, Mm -hmm. I'm amazed every time we're done that here we've had six or eight folks here in Tallahassee, Florida in the United (laughs) States of America looking at these seemingly impenetrable uh, uh, sutras and yet uh, all coming away with something of value. All of them.
2: give all these strict teachings, and, you know, be very stern with people, and sort of goes on about, uh, you know, um, just how they have to try to deal with us because we're so unruly, Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, we have the opportunity to become enlightened. are like wow you mean there's a land like that that's <laughs> so interesting and people don't just sit around bored and you know purified like we are here well we want to go down with you to see what that's like uh, and so they take the fragrant uh, food with them that uh, will be uh, provided uh, for, for all of us here that never ends I don't know it seemed like love to me you know it was kind of a endless It, we understand it, and at some point, it doesn't have to be like that. We can just dissolve it before it happens, and um, and so uh, we can't get discouraged. We can't get down on ourselves or others, and that we we see everybody as a bodhisattva who is our teacher, uh, even when they're doing things that really make us mad as hell or. <laughs>
1: Else?
3: Just as an addendum to that. I, yeah, the, he says how the lotus flower grows in the mud, not like in this pristine environment. You know, the, yeah. the work is done in the mud and the dirt and the grime that is our day-to-day life.
1: Yeah. yeah. Derek, you're part of the group, right? Yes. Yeah. We have certainly have a lot of notions about things, and the Sutra basically deconstructs every one of them notions of innumerability, vast number of being, but can be easily reduced to small, right. notion of greatness and then smallness, notions of distance, far and near. Notions of attainment and vexations, uh, notions of this samsara can't possibly be you know the playground of some samsa- of, of nirvana, yet this is the Buddha land. You know, while all the Buddhas have their own, you know, purified lands. Chayapusha asked the Buddha, hey, where is your Buddha land? it's right here in samsara, so every notion, even gender, so in that sense, that sutra is very progressive. But the main point is emptiness. Mm -hmm. Not vacuity, but intimately threaded in every fiber of our being, and our endeavors, and all of the senses that we experience. This freedom is everywhere, presenting you, revealing to us the truth of liberation. That is the theme of this sutra, the gate of non-duality, right? When there's no other, our notions, our ideas, and so on, there's also no self. When there's no self, these things also dissolve away. Very often, we go through life with fixed ideas of things. Stories that we tell ourselves. And we're pretty convinced. Things we try to get away from. All the arhats, the disciples, try to get away from. And uh, in the sense, whatever we try to get away from, whatever we try to get, all of these in the multitude of manifestations are really... A sense of attachment. A really manifestation of attachment. Soon as we try to get away from something, we reify it into a thing. We make things come into being. We make problems and sufferings come into being by reifying them into a thing. Yes, I have a problem. Soon as we create that narrative, that story becomes a problem. There's an obstacle. But who's having it? Me. I, I'm having that problem. So whether the story is pleasant, whether the story is kind of unpleasant, whether we try to attain something, whether we try to get rid of something, it is our reification, in other words, attachment, that makes it solidified, congealed. Right? Then Vignola Kirti is going to come and Slash <laughs> it away, right? So it a wonderful thing. But how this applies to our life is really how we actually view people around us, how we view ourselves. Right? <coughs> how we view our own addictions. How we try to overcome our addictions. Right? Our attachment. The way we captivated it by this and that, then we get stuck. Was it um, Sharipucho or Mahakashava that was trying to get away from the flower, the um, Naga the some of Naga King Yeah, The the flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, you know, as soon as we reify into things out there, we become opposed to it. You know, but th- But this is, in fact, how we live our lives. I mean, you can really apply this sutra. Don't get caught up with the, you know, this and that, the symbolism, this and that. But really, like, what are the things that we're addicted to, captivated by, that we can't get away from? And the harder we try, what happens? <laughs> the more prominent that we find ourselves in the midst of it, <coughs> right? Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, for example, if we're addicted to something. We try to get away from it. And then the issue with kind of human, uh, the wonderful thing, and also the predicament of human beings is that after we engage in the things that we try to resist, well, first of all, we resist something and then we always find ourselves doing, doing that. And then afterwards, we can objectify ourselves as an object and critique it. We can make ourselves into. Someone bad with a narrative built about ourselves and we feel guilty about it. And then we feel bad, you know, I shouldn't do it, you know. Maybe alcohol, <laughs> I can't do it, it sucks. But I love it. You know? <laughs> right? Or after we do it, we feel guilty about it. See? So we reify the actions that we do, we we objectify ourselves into a dualistic opposition, and we oppose ourselves. Is it horrible thing. But the wonderful thing is, the mind is so fluid, it can do everything. <laughs> it can make ourselves so miserable, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> By creating like these things and then, and yet instantaneously, we can free ourselves. Maybe some of you haven't experienced that, but some of you have, you know? The daily life. You have a little problem and all of a sudden you found out something good happens. Uh, really, oh, wonderful. You forgot about the previous moment, what happened. Your mind can change like that. That is the intrinsic freedom. But more we get absorbed and sucked into this narrative. Bondage. So but all of our the wonderful thing, circling back, all of our bondage, what we formerly sees as obstacles, difficulties, challenges, problematic people in our life, all of them present us with the opportunity to free our minds, to free ourselves. Right? So I haven't been lying to any of you, right? My, my teaching, the things I keep on saying, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> if it's not good, that's the problem. Why is it? It's not being oblivious, blinding ourselves, convincing ourselves it's all good, the world is at peace, there's no problem. It's not that. There is problem, but it's precisely because of the difficulties that draws out our resources, that we can change our views, we find solutions, and we attain Buddhahood. Right. So it's those beings who are sheltered from difficult people, Challenges, they don't get the full flavor of nirvana. The flavor of nirvana is the greed, hatred, ignorance, and the samsaric tendencies. And it's freedom, and their freedom. So that's why those beings in other pure lands, their teaching is through fragrance, or some other lands through sounds, and all the sounds are so conducive to awakening, to cultivating this quality, that quality, they have no challenges, so their attainment of Buddhahood, slower. Right? Same thing with Amitabha Buddha, the pure land, there's, you know, all things are expounding the Dharma. The good kind of Dharma. You know, things that go smooth. Like the birds are chirping. You know, the the, the rivers are flowing and the wind blows through the trees and everything's flowing out melodic sounds of everything's impermanent. All things are empty, you know. So you hear that everything you are surrounded by Buddha Dharma. So you're kind of drunken, drunken in the in the flavor of the wine of this Buddha Dharma, right. so for Chan practitioners, Buddha Dharma is a difficult boss. <laughs> the, your partner that' know no, fell in love with someone else dropped you. Your best friend dies. your parent dies. you die. <laughs> and then you come back to life, you know? (laughs) Have the fortune, all of these difficulties, and also, you know, your bills, (laughs) things you gotta do, that is with the flavor of Buddha Dharma. So only by exposing yourself to this and reining in these things, fully avail yourself to all sentient beings, to all form of sentient beings, you inevitably establish a karmic tie with them. Even though your tie is, you may sentient being yell at you, scold at you. Wonderful. This means I will meet you in the future, definitely, because you have scolded at, at, at me. Karmically, we're tied. Great job Jimmy. You know. <laughs> That's the path. If you don't have if you don't have karmic affinity with sentient beings, you will not deliver them. They will not encounter you. Walking down the streets like two people just walk right past e- each other. That's why Buddhahood requires the Bodhisattva path. You have to encounter You have to meet all kinds of difficulties, and you have to use that, utilize that as your resources to practice. So you may be an addict, you may have difficulty, you may have personality problems, wonderful. They become your source for saving all beings, because if someone doesn't have that, someone is not an addict, talking to an addict, they have no idea how to relate to the uh, other person. It takes an addict to save an addict. So sentient beings in different life forms, in different capacities, have gathered. This is what in Buddhism called acquired wisdom. Acquired wisdom. <coughs> All of the ten paramitas, the first six we're usually exposed to, you know, generosity, patience, precepts, diligence, you know, and meditation and you know wisdom of emptiness but the last four one of which is knowledge another type of wisdom what kind of, is that the same kind of like emptiness no that's the wisdom of of uh, all beings of all situations that can only be acquired in time by you putting in the hours. Punching the clock in some here again, you know, and then encountering difficulties, difficult people. That's the only chance. So, usually, you know, at dharma centers, everything come, come, everyone come and get your moments of bliss, and you go home. It's right? not really a dharma center, at least not in the Chan Zen tradition. Dharma? Let's go to the Karni, homeless shelter, let's do our time there punching our clock it's easy to save beings to save people that already come to the Dharma Center, they already bought it, they're already buying the story of Buddha Dharma you see they, everything the teacher says someone sits here, anyone is substitutable go get rid of Google, have someone else sit here, and talk some beautiful thing about Buddha Dharma yeah, yeah, Buddha Dharma six what is that phrase? Um, singing to a choir? You gotta, where's the choir? You guys are the choir. You gotta encounter people that are difficult. <coughs> so my teacher used to put me in situations like this. You know, some corporate company, businessmen, they wanna figure out how Zen can help them make more profit. So who descend? The, the monastery. Head monk? Send Guagu there. Like, me? Why? Why why are you send me there? I have no idea. I'm in my twenties, you know. I have no idea how to relate to these guys. I go there, they see my master is very famous, he's world-renowned. And he sends this young 20-year-old. It's like, what are they Look down on us? Why is he here? Are you the the attendant to someone else that we here? <laughs> I'm like. That's me, it's just me, <laughs> you know. Or uh, hospitals, you know, hospitals. That was a volunteer thing. You know. Everyone had to sign up a hospice program, visit patients that are dying. First of all, the patient didn't even ask for us. We just volunteer. So I see all these blank spots, because my fellow Dharma brothers and sisters, they've gone there. They know it's hard. It's embarrassing facing someone who's dying, and You you're speechless, and you're in your 20s, and you're there. You just begun on our practice not so long ago, not too long ago, so you sit there. It's a very uncomfortable feeling, because whatever you've learned is not your personal experience. You're a parrot. You're repeating what you have read, and you're repeating what your teacher said. So my teacher wants to put us in that situation. Face the dying. Face the people that motorcycle accidents, strong, young, but no legs anymore. Pissed off. Anger. He doesn't want anyone to comfort him, telling some Buddha Dharma. We used to face Christians who are dying. First of all, it's Christian. It's like, why the hell are you here? <laughs> Sorry, I'm here to bring some comfort. Get out. <laughs> yeah. So we have to have a very thick face. Well, I feel we can have a talk. Oh, yeah? Here's what I want to talk. One time I sat down. My husband cheating on me while I'm having terminal cancer. Look at me. My hair's fallen. Am I beautiful anymore? No. My child, he wants custody. I'm hearing, I don't know any of this stuff. I'm sitting there like, (laughs) what kind of Buddha Dharma can I bring? to comfort this person. He doesn't want to hear, she doesn't want to hear it. All I could do is, and the more she taught, the more she's in tears. The best way is just to let them do the talking. <laughs> and then all I could do is just hold her hand. I couldn't do anything, but monks are not allowed to hold hands with a female, breaking precepts. My daughter and brother is like, we're both there. He knows he doesn't want to go there, but he's accompanying me because this is monks from America. I want to show them what our Sangha in Taiwan is doing. So he's like, you, you, you're, holding, you're holding hands with the female. You broke precepts. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything except that mm-hmm. she was suffering. She was suffering so much pain. I felt the pain. Penetrated me through holding her hand when we came out. It's like, I can't believe it, he just broke precept. I was like, Broke precept, so I go to hell. And then at the end, you know, before we exited, I said, and I said, Because my Chinese, you know, I think my Chinese is okay, but apparently, people in Taiwan, when they hear my Chinese, they know I'm not from Taiwan. <laughs> you know, it's kind of modified a little bit. <coughs> so she says, where, "Where are you from?" I said, United States, you know, may war." found out about me, and I told her, I said, "Nothing I say will help you." But I'm here for you to listen. And just by being present fully, availing ourselves, without the clutter, the garbage that come up, the vexations, like embarrassment, I don't know what to say, pretentiousness, everything, just put it down, just be with the person. Then that person touched she felt, what is your name? Who's your teacher? Said Master Shenyan. Yen. Oh, yeah, I heard of that monk before. Say. Well, I'll, I'll see you come and see you next week. So I left. And Next week, she's not there anymore. We have we don't keep contact with the patients. Every week's different. I figured terminal cancer, maybe died. Who knows? Shows up years later at one of our Buddhist camps for kids she came out to me she grew hair I didn't even recognize her she have hairs back her hair is back says venerable <laughs> guagu I'm like yeah <laughs> I'm that lady that's in the hospital I'm a Buddhist now hmm. and I started reading finding out about your Teacher, I said, you divorced? Did your husband get back? I'm still divorced, happily mm-hmm. divorced, <laughs> you know? And my cancer, at least this treatment is over, the segment, maybe it's gone, maybe you'll come back. I didn't ask, but saving sentient beings. Not intentionally, not scheming about it, being honest to oneself, face vexations, face difficulties, accept. Embrace, respond with genuine things you don't know, you don't know. What touches people, what transforms people, is not what you say, it's not what you do, it's who you are. Your heart, where your heart is. It's not Buddhist doctrine. Right? So face your addiction. No, I don't I am not advocating if you're addicted to alcohol, drugs, drugists has face my addiction, you know, I keep on drinking, keep on smoking, <laughs> you know, whatever you guys do. <coughs> or pills or whatever. Or other things, you know. Addicted to certain kind of vexations, you know, craving, you know, desire. Maybe anger, face them and don't come up with excuses, don't come up with stories, don't try to repress, don't come up with narratives. Using Buddha Dharma now to repress this thing that you have. So Buddha Dharma is a tool for you to do something. No, you just fully avail yourself to this. Be completely there, mindful you will diffuse the power of the addiction. Do you believe it? You face it, you're aware of this process. Maybe you use the drink a lot, right? But you're aware of this drinking. You're aware of the taste. You diffuse the power, you're no longer locked into the mode of addiction you are observing addiction. And the power of observation, the power of mindfulness, where does that come from? The simple exercise of seated meditation. Wandering thoughts, don't follow, don't reject, aware, return back to your breath, or to your gong an, to your silent illumination. Some people don't practice this way. Some people still engage in grasping and rejecting. That's not my my student. You can't call yourself my student if you practice this way. You're not even the Buddha's disciple, because that's not what the Buddha taught. You have to have the strength, and this kind of strength that you cultivate (coughs) from not following not following your narrative about yourself about others about things I mean grasping and not rejecting either and come back to the task at hand whatever you' are doing you're sitting your method you're working your work your research involving thinking involving that kind of thinking mode of thinking that kind of presence of power will start to become very strong. And you become disentangled from the addiction. See? Most people, when they are addicted to something, they're just addicted. Through and through, they're just addiction. They're just going through the habit. Right? I'm asking you to distance yourself. Watch. Watch your own inability right like you don't know what to say to dying patients you know you don't know what watch this don't follow it don't say yeah i do know so little i i can't help i'm no good at follow you already follow you see you're down that path again you know there are certain people that are like fighting types what comes up is not self-disparagement. Oh, I can't do that. No good. a narrative, right? There are some other people that's no good. I'm gonna show you exactly how good I am. You know, fighting. So there are certain personalities. Doesn't matter what comes up. You're the fighting type, you're the argumentative type, you're the kind of self-disparaging type, the surrender type, you know, platitude type. Mm-hmm. You're the whatever type. Don't give power into that. Watch. Watch. Your well being rests on your method. That's Buddha Dharma. First you have to at least see it. Then you can fully embrace, don't reject it. This is this is what it is. Buddha Dharma. Come. Here it comes, Buddha Dharma. That bottle. Or this situation, or that scenario again. That's Buddha Dharma. Here it comes. Prepare myself. Here it comes. Come on. Here it comes. Right, and then fully avail yourself. You'll be stronger. Right? I'm just using modern term like addiction, but Buddhism has traditional terms like attachment. Everything can be attachment. Even Buddha Dharma can be attachment. That's what Vimalakirti is attacking. All those people that are attached to Buddha Dharma, whatever way of Buddha Dharma, meditations like the Shariputra always like to sit under the tree. It's like, yeah, a tree, pleasant, you know, the wind blows. No sentient beings distracting me. Oh, God, meditate. Oh, yes. <coughs> Vimalakirti comes along, that's not sitting. That's not Samadhi, right? Yayana or no, I'm sorry, Upali, precept number one. He sees some monks break precepts. So, Shame on you. You can't break precepts, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. It's like Vimalakritic com- comes along, that's not a way to uphold true precepts. Right? They have the capacity for the Mahayana liberation. You don't use the precept that pertains to don't do this, don't do that to apply to them right for then you must teach them fully avail yourself right to your vexations and then through that you will reach liberation. Now that's not justification for you to do whatever you want no so different sentient beings require different teachings see so. It's all good. It's all good. Now, now that you have scriptural basis to back up what <laughs> you know, some of the things I've been saying—that's my intention. You see, you know what the sutra says: Lotus Sutra, Vimalakirti. Wait till we get to the Diamond Sutra or the Platform Sutra. You
0: know?
1: The Buddha have one voice, one voice, one teaching. It's sentient <laughs> beings who understand it in your own way. And that teaching is the voice of liberation. You know, because different beings' capacity is different, they understand the liberation differently. You know, the Buddha only has one intention, one voice, and that is liberation. else? Yes, please.
4: This is not, month this is yeah. not on the topic so much. Uh, this is the third Monday of the month, yeah. and I thought this was the month, uh, night that you were to bring some food. Yes. So I brought some food, and there are some uh, lovely uh, vegetable fritters over here with a slight sort of great flavor to them. If anybody would like to...
1: Thank you, uh, you know, we we are usually we do that, but we send out an email announcement about this special special kind of group discussion mm-hmm. slash talk. so I'm supposed to answer these questions, but <coughs> for now. Why don't you all go get something to eat? (laughs) And then come back if you want. Those of you who want to come back, we just sit. And let me see if these questions are not answered already. Archie has brought delicious food. Please, help yourself. (laughs) We have to recruit you to cook for our retreats, baby. How does non-duality and duality interact? They're the same thing. Duality, non-duality. It's the same. Don't make duality, non-duality into duality. The point is there is no non-duality. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Like duality and non-duality. There's not two things. Non-duality is non-duality. There is no nor is there oneness. Non duality is not oneness. I was gonna
4: ask about that. It it seems um, I I did a little research on non
2: duality (coughs) and I was just blown away about all the it seems like
4: that's the break. Once you get to this non-duality, if it's not dual,
2: then it's oneness, if that's yeah. oneness
1: And that's oneness, and then, but I know and in Buddhism we teach to penetrate oneness. Even still. Yeah, um, it's just this is a kind of um, apophatic way of saying, it's not this, not that. Right. So don't, don't, so don't start making. Well, it's not this, it must be that. Then. No, non-duality. So. broken? It (laughs) says, neither one is. Which chapter is considered the most important part of the sutra? A lot. It's kind of sprinkled throughout different chapters, you know? A lot of different chapters. Yes, I mean, chapter 9, yes, is very important, or chapter 8, Gate of Non-Duality, but, um, but the other chapters, all the mistakes of the Shravakas, all the mistakes of the Bodhisattvas their mistakes—they're showing us how to practice. You see, so they're—they're they're re- they're all very important. And Shariputras um, being caught up with big and small, far and near, chair so big, how can I get up? Wh- what are we here for? All of the, these things, relativity, right? Good, bad. All of these things, they're they're teaching us. The important thing is we have to apply it to our lives. see? What is the meaning of highly evolved bodhisattvas from the world of fragrance coming to visit the lowly Saha world? Well, first of all, maybe they're the lowly. Maybe they're the lowly because we have all the juice of nirvana right here. We have all the ingredients right here, and I don't know. if, From my memory, I think they were pretty jealous, right? So, yeah, we get this Buddha Dharma, Buddha talking all the time, so yeah, beautiful yeah. and lovely.
4: Is that kind of analogous that those yeah absolutely. things mm-hmm. like monastic life and lay life.
1: There's, the There's no set way. Yeah. Some monastics yeah. live yeah. quite comfortably, uh, better than lay. <laughs> That's what I'm talking. About.
0: That
1: no, uh, what I means the other way. Yeah. Like they live a worldly, sensual life. I means if you think about it, you take away money issues, you take away interpersonal problems. That's most of our vexations, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. Your partner, wife, husband. Take that all the problem away. And you take away all the bills you have to pay, your rent, your mortgage. What's left? Mm. You know, so uh, yeah, they can practice. The pace of life is good. So they, you know.
4: Yeah, but then Master uh, sends you all out to hospice uh,
1: care. Yeah. That to to uh, compensate. You know, to complement. What, mm. the, you know, his training is, uh, you know, to present problems when there are none create problems that's why you
2: have students <laughs> yeah create problems, create
1: problems yeah. yeah we
0: wouldn't be here i do <laughs> <Otherwise>.
1: <laughs> and it's, but it is but it's not create problem for me you're you're teaching me you're teaching me no teaching me all kinds of your wisdom your the ways that you tried, the ways that you live your life, and the strategies that you come up with, the amazing resourcefulness (laughs) that you have, and forcing me to, as a teacher, to help. How can I help? Or how can Buddha Dharma help? So that forces the teacher to understand Buddha Dharma. That forces the teacher to practice Buddha Dharma, to digest it so it becomes the teacher's Buddha Dharma. Not like a parrot. Each other, yeah. It's
4: whether it's the board or the book club or going on a picnic or whatever.
1: Or you know, dealing with all the issues of applying for purchasing property you know all the zoning issues you know now Carl and Fred are experts in Tallahassee zoning issues (laughs) you know so all, all the forms the applications of this this is where the juice of buddha dharma is don't ever deny your life but you must know how to practice. Mm-hmm. You can't say, don't ever deny me. I'm not going to deny myself of parties. I'm not going to deny myself of things I can do, possibly. Monday night is always going to be there. Guagu is always going to be there. I'm, I, be- I have to, I'm going to take some, I'm going to do something else on Monday night. Because mm-hmm. I possi- can't possibly deny myself of dance clubs and on Monday nights and you know this and do that and alcohol. You Can't do that either. Take a look at your life now. The difficulty that you face. This is the workings of karma. This is how it manifests. And this is precisely where you liberate yourself. You know? What does this world have to do with Saha world? Or is it just a trope for the composer? Saha world is basically Samsara. Saha world. Samsara. In other words, Shakyamuni Buddha is pure land. Chapter one. What does fragrance mean? Fragrance, I mean, the way I see it is, Buddha Dharma is not limited to words and language. Stubborn sentient beings who are so caught up in words and language, us, everything that we are, everything that our sense of identity, sense of who we are, is defined, mediated, shaped by words and language. Think about it. What is it not? So, for us sentient beings, this is the tool. But for other sentient it doesn't mean Buddha Dharma is limited to that. Some Buddha Dharma is taught through fragrance, like this, the fragrant Buddha land, right? You smell something, <sighs> become awakened <laughs> or something, right? So, this means that that's just one among many senses. Don't deny what you see. Don't deny what you smell. Don't deny what you hear. Everything. All of your senses. Yeah. Your family members. You know, your mother, father. They are the wisdom and compassion of Buddha Dharma manifesting. So for them, <coughs> these beings are called up with fragrances. So that's their Buddha Dharma.
0: Yeah.
1: So... I mean one time I remember um, a boy in taiwan asked me how should he what should he do this is a children's buddha camp what should he do to you know help his pet dog who passed away should i should i, should I read the heart sutra should I a, a, a young boy you know not that young maybe in teenagers should i do this should i Recite some darneys, some mantras. I said, I said, you're gonna talk dog language to dogs. You save dogs. So when you when you are bef- when you stand before dogs, you are fully through and through dog. When you stand before highly educated people, you are through and through if you can. You relate to the person you reflect respond to what the person needs you know so you don't you know recite the heart sutra for a dog he doesn't understand (laughs) right what do you do you buy the dog's favorite bone that he used to like and you bury it this is for you lassie or whatever the name is (laughs) you know this is for you you see to a child, that's the wonder of my, my teacher. He's a first doctorate in Chinese Buddhist history, PhD. Yeah, he's a charm master. He can talk to governor, he can talk to the president, he can talk to this, you know. He, to a kid that wanted to learn Kung Fu, 11 years old, tag on his robe, say, hey, uh, and just inundated every Sunday in New York. They used to play this Sunday afternoon Kung Fu movies. You know the type I'm talking about, right? Where the, the talk and the voice doesn't go in sync. you heard my brother. I'm gonna revenge. You know, like the mouth and the words doesn't match. That kind of Kung Fu. I'm inundated with monks shouting shouting Kung Fu. I tag on his robes. Do you know how to practice Kung Fu? Do you know Kung Fu? I'm talking to a Chan master. He Look at me like, of course I do. I'm like, really? teach me? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you got to prepare. You got to come next. You got to learn meditation first. Mm. I was like, okay, I'll learn meditation. You know, me into turning, learning meditation. So when he's a kid, he's fully a kid. He's like a child. When he talks to the president of some company, he's not like a child, like, hey, he You know, he doesn't do like that. He's, you know, educated. He can converse the mirror wisdom right <coughs> so to someone to someone who needs fragrance teaching to put dharma manifest fragrance to someone who needs talk about teaching of words and language talk about words and language you know so all these things all of our s- senses fully avail yourself you must have a method though you can't just avail yourself and just Follow, end up following them, right? Try to save sentient beings, and then you become com- converted by sentient beings, right? Like your counselor, psychiatrist, for example. Someone come to your come to your chair, starts complaining about this and that, and soppy, life and painful anguish, and then you start crying with them, and then you you become you you lose yourself. You kind of You become that. That's not what I mean by mirror wisdom. The mirror responds to what it needs, it doesn't become that. So, bodhisattvas are fully in the world, but they're not really of the world, they're not of vexations. They can manifest it, but only to the purpose of saving sentient beings. That's one of the bodhisattva practices. It's called Tongxing, means. To be with what they do, to do what they do, so parties you go to party <laughs> you go to party and then at the end of the day, they become converted, right as opposed to you, you go to party and then they convert you, you got drunk and you passed out <laughs> at the sofa that's not what you know the mirror of mind is about, you know so. Teaching through fragrance, you're not fragrance. Teaching through sounds, you're not sound, but sound is what they need. So you respond. See, that's a big difference. Right? Manifesting stupidity, vexations. You don't become stupid, wisdom is guiding you. Except w- when the ma- wisdom manifests, it manifests as compassion. That's all the questions. Yes? So, like when you're visiting dying people and you're trying to be present with them, you not with You will be. But, of course, of course. But you're aware of that. You're aware that you're crying. And you're aware of this mechanism. Maybe your inability, maybe your sadness, maybe your pity. Maybe whatever things you you see that. You know? You don't lose yourself in the midst of these emotions. Right? Um, so you're completely transparent, you're honest, and your strength comes from this transparency. That's called mindfulness. Yes, spellana?
2: How much of this process is our domestic habitual? And how
1: much of this process is awareness and joy? Yeah, it that that's it only, to only depends, depends on sentient beings. It has to depend on how honest one is. they have to cultivate it they have to hear the dharma understand this is how we are supposed to practice not r- yeah if one's able it's choice it always begin with it always begins contrived we have to learn this and it will be awkward right like for example but it, we also have that's a great question because we also have to realize who we are where we're at so if you're not capable, if you're not capable of saving sentient beings, you put yourself in that situation, that's wrong. That's wrong use of Buddha Dharma. So if you have to put yourself, separate yourself away, and then come back when you're stronger, then you do that. See? It's like playing you have to know you're a tennis player. And you're at, I don't know, level three. So that's the sentient beings that you save you help, you play with players that are level 3, you meet a player that's number 7, level 7, you're going to definitely get delivered. He's going to convert you. You put yourself in that situation, no chance. You see, so you have to know yourself, know others, then you know how to advance and retreat. First of all, let me ask you this. Do you follow what I, what I just said? Yes. I yeah. I just said, okay. okay. All right. Yeah.
2: Um, in this, what you call that they convert you, mm-hmm. is it measured in the domain of actions, or in the domain of your self-perception and internal feeling? Meaning that if your actions didn't change, but you feel weird, does it mean that they kind of convert
1: you into a stronger? Or if you feel like, who am I then? All kinds. All kind, anything. You're shaken. You're shaken. You're kind of. thing. But even that, that it's still good. Because you've established some connection. I've, you know, okay, failure. We label it, w- reify it as failure. I failed him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you learn. You come to Dharma talk and you hear Guagua says. Failures are the ingredients to success, and he said, "Oh, well, maybe it's not a failure." And then you slowly come back, and whatever, whatever situation we find ourselves, sooner or later, this amount of what effort we put in, <laughs> the time we give ourselves, becomes sources of our strength, <coughs> becomes our bodhisattva path. Right? But ideally, you start baby steps. Help out. You first learn how to hold the tennis racket first. You gotta do steady meditation. You gotta cultivate your mindfulness of not being swayed, pushed, and pulled by wandering thoughts. You gotta learn that. Very foundational. That's how to hold the ten- tennis racket. Emotions come up. You gotta learn that, and then, and then you can start to apply to complexity of daily life, like you're no longer swayed by an enemy or. A friend or praising words and you know temptations and you're also not swayed and then you and then the more contact you have the stronger you become your meditation field becomes samsara so the Buddha there's a technical term for the Buddha's samadhi one among many Samadhi is usually considered meditative absorption, you know, trance, you know. But the Buddha samadhi is called Yoshi sanme, the samadhi of play. Where? In samsara. All sentient beings becomes partners, teachers, sources. Displaying the wonderful dharma but you, in order to get to that stage you have to m- not be swayed right so that's why you know like last week I was talking about you know someone sent me an article like you know someone criticizing meditation as you know stress reduction blah blah, blah. of course meditation is not only stress reduction it's mean, stress is nothing you know genuine buddhist meditation is not about stress reduction it's this is the path of awakening. Where? In the midst of dirt. In the midst of the swamp land. That's where the flowers, lotuses glow. And this becomes sources of your strength. Okay. Did you have a question? There?
4: Well, it just strikes me how it seems that no matter what, I'm charged with uh, discovering don't do it for me. I have to be engaged, struggling with this every aspect of life. Yeah, and it brings to mind how easy it is to uh, think I've failed at something. It brings to mind a uh, story you've shared of uh, your feeling of uh, having failed your teacher. I yeah. think, and you mm-hmm. brought it up to him. Yeah, and the, w- the ability to just. Let go of it. That was. Yeah. That was.
1: What the teacher <laughs> said in that moment. Allow me. What he said. Allow. What he said in that moment. Allow me to s- just put it down.
4: Exactly. Yeah. And, and and how how easy it is to get wrapped up in it and and suddenly believe that it's an uh, a, a absolutely permanent aspect of who I am. Yeah. And yet, the slightest shift of perspective, and it's like.
1: Oh, Opening. it's yeah. no
4: longer, th- that's no longer mm. true at all, yeah. and what an effect that can have of everyone around, I yeah. mean, your story has <laughs> affected <coughs> how, mm-hmm. how many, it's affected me mm.
1: So, you know... Hmm. Okay, Vibram Kirti Sutra, wonderful text, you have to apply it to yourself, don't really like literature you're going to apply it to your life and struggle with it, work with it, some of the teachings, apply it. Right. Make it come alive. Make it like blood that flows through your body, the veins, Vimalakirti. Right. And next time you attach to meditation, the meditation period is over. I'm going to sit a little longer so I can continue this bliss. You have become Shariputra. <laughs> Vimalakirti is going whack. Calm down with a stick. Okay. Have a good night.